Welcome to season two of the Retail Tea Break. My name is Melissa Moore, founder of The Retail Advisor. As a consultant, mentor, trainer and lecturer, I enable retailers and makers to reach their potential through sales growth and excellence in customer experience. I'm also your host of The Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and makers to decode the myths, share stories and their insights into this industry of ours. So if you enjoy listening to The Retail Tea Break, subscribe to the podcast and share it with others in the industry too. So sit back, grab that cup of tea and listen in. Welcome to The Retail Tea Break. So today I'm joined by an expert maker who took his personal interest in alternative remedies, studied to be a kinesiologist and went on to create and develop a premium quality product, becoming the first company in Ireland to distill oil from natural native sources. I am so excited today to be joined by Carl Murray from Catanical. Carl, how are you today? Very bit dull out there, but I'm good. Oh, Carl, you're so good to come on board. I'm a huge fan of the brand, so I probably have to admit that straight up. So what I really wanted to talk to you today was about your journey. You know, so many more makers now are are wanting to, to get out there, to get their brands in front of people and retailers and sell abroad. And you're on this journey now. So before we have a chat about your journey with Catanical, in the time it takes to boil a kettle, which is about two minutes. Tell us a bit about you and the business. So I'm Carl. I found Cotanical. I'm from North Dublin, Dublin Five. So born and reared here. So I was always into health and fitness and into martial arts. And during the recession, I was in building, but we were getting more into looking after ourselves. So to speed it up, we were like not much work in building. So you were just taking more time to care for yourself. And it went from that to studying on the weekends, kinesiology. And then I was introduced to essential oil through in the RDS over 10 years ago now, you know? Yeah. So I was walking along and I was called over to a little boot, you know, <laughs> and it was like someone introduced oil to me because I had a sore wrist. And then it was like, oh, do you use oil in toy boxing? Because we did martial arts as well. So I was introduced to oil and then I found out there's differences in quality because it's an afterthought oil. Well, it used to be, not so much now. So I start getting real interested, start researching and start getting essential oil in, start doing little stalls myself. Like I'd be at the front line, you know, I, I'd done the RDS before about seven years ago, you know, so a long time. At it. And then I realized no one was making oil in Ireland. And every skincare, Irish skincare product and a few of the Irish brands who have oil, if you want to call it that, I want to call it that now, but it's fit for a candle. And I was like, right, I'm going to start trying to make the oil. So I was like, it's the Wild West. Like you don't actually, you, like it's mad. It's like making alcohol or whiskey or moonshine. It's very similar to that. So I was reading books from like a hundred years ago in Australia they used to do tea tree and I was reading their met it's just when you you know when you're sitting there googling all the time so that's what I was doing so I was like right I bought the equipment in and it was all copper stuff that you could make moonshine with and then (laughs) I was practicing with different herbs didn't get anywhere then 
we finally grew our own peppermint. It took me, me and me twin, spent two days potting peppermint for the next year. And then I was making frankincense in between as well. And then I was testing different crops. And then, oh, that was great. But then I had to come up with a brand name. So I had to get a mentor. And then she, Aoife was great. She said, everything you're doing is great, but the brand is shite. So <laughs> we came up with Cotanical. Everyone thinks it's Carl and Botanics. It's not. It's Craft and Cotanical. Craft and Botanics. And so that's kind of the summary of the story. And now we're sitting here. Wow, that's unreal. And I think what I take from that is, A, it sounds like you kind of fell into it, but you enjoyed it. But also you've really grafted, Carl. And I think this is why... I was so interested in bringing you on to the retail tea break today because you said you almost fell into this 10 years ago. So 10, 12 years ago, the recession, when we know was the last time that everything took a dip. We're obviously now coming out or coming around from the pandemic. There's definitely been an upsurge I've seen of people deciding to leave their jobs or they've had to leave their jobs because the job's no longer there anymore. And they're going, well, I've got a bit of a hobby on the side. Sure, I'll give it a crack. I'll give it a go. But what I'm already hearing from you is, yeah, that's great. And I see the smile on your face, but it is hard work. It takes time and it is hard work. So what were those few first years like for Catanical? Uh, they were they were good for meeting people, but they were bad, not great for business. First two years, there was a lot of hiccups, a lot of trial and error. There was like trying to find your feet in the market, how to market yourself, what avenues, then people dropping the ball, stuff like that. Anything that could have went wrong really did, I'd say. Like getting labels done, the labels were done wrong, or just getting oil in and stuff getting lost. So we've, oh, we had like a, a lot of kind of weird luck for the first two years. And because in the entrepreneur scene in Ireland, especially back then, they were all for tech. Yes. And now all the tech companies that were saying my categories and business um awards are all folded and liquidated and you know so oh. man standing so there was a huge bias for tech when I started and a guy doing essential oil wasn't thought of much and wellness wasn't thought of much they might make out it is now but like it's Certainly 10 years ago, it wasn't the dumb thing. It wasn't trendy back then. And I'd say by the sounds of it, you stuck out like a sore thumb, but for the wrong reason. Like it wasn't fashionable what you were doing back then. No, it's definitely people would ask questions of you, be like, you know, what are you at? Your sexuality, you know? <laughs> like it's, but they weren't taking you, know. you seriously by no, the sounds of things. You wouldn't be took serious in it, but someone could come in, oh, we're going to do a new dating app, or we're going to do some stupid... I don't know, some Mickey Mouse thing and they'd be like, here's 50 grand from the state. Here's this. Here's a few awards. But I felt it was like the X factor then because it was giving people a feeling of being successful, but they never were going to be. So like, uh, I was happy. And it's interesting, as you say, those people that were winning the awards 10 years ago, some of them aren't in business now, whereas there you are having grafted stronger than ever. Yeah, so a lot of my experience would have been over the last five years in the entrepreneur scene. So uh, 10 years ago would have been like the really like wild west of it. And then the, you know, the brand came together five years, five and a half years ago. But that was when it was peak tech in Ireland and t- peak startups, you know, like it's just 
I think it's people trying to get enough money to live on the beach for the summer or something like it was definitely some sort of Ponzi scheme to talk about, <laughs> you know, like but there you are and Kassan Little's still standing today. And in those early days, you talk about the branding in that respect. Were you just out there winging it on your own? Was there support? Was there were there people to go to? Was there advice or were you just winging it? Were you just going with what you thought looked right, sounded good? customer might want um i'd say maybe adapting more so than winging it because i'd always spend time learning so I, once i got the branding right it was like it was just le- learning on your own time with what little money you had so technically probably would be winging it a little but, but... you were very much self-taught then by the sounds of it <laughs> this wasn't about you being given loads of expertise help or you know no, having lots no. of online classes you were learning by doing. Yeah, like I never attended a workshop and to start your own business. I think inherently, like some people, I wouldn't say are gifted, but you might have an inclination to be good at something if you work hard, you know? But it was like, I'd say that company gave me two years of to get pack it in. So probably say 730 reasons to fuck off excuse the language like you know maybe even a little bit more so especially because the product is essential oil and then you need to get diffusers in so there's big money in diffusers getting them in people don't realize that there's a tremendous amount of tax paid and important anything like that so it's big gambles all the time but you know what was it like then? As you said, you had to find the investment in order to bring that stock in. What was that like initially having to make that investment, but also source people that could fulfill that product order? Oh, we went through a few companies and had to terminate toys. So you'd, you'd spend, could spend six to eight months testing a new diffuser, you know? Wow. Yeah, because like you don't know what you're really getting. Then you have to build up trust and then if you go a sample order is probably one diffuser but a wholesale order is anywhere between one to five thousand diffusers so the margin of error like it's it's like it's crazy but again i think this is something else people don't talk about they they think nowadays with alibaba being this great big kind of umbrella company you can go online find a stockist in china they'll send you a few samples hey presto you pay a bit of money stock rolls in like it sounds really straightforward on paper but the reality from what you're saying was anything but no well because you have to pay the tax coming in and then if you're playing by the rules and your fat registered you know and you have to put through the the, the right amount of the stock because they're going to see that the forwarder and the freights will see that and they'll be like hold on you owe 5,000 euro, like 23% of the order. So anyone who's like trying to source that now for every 10,000 euro you're bringing in, it's 23% without the duties on it. So like that's it because yeah, you get the stock, but you know, like you have to sell 2,300 euros worth for every 10,000 just to get your money back on tax. That's what And that's just the money back. That's not you making money. So it's a it's a it's an interesting one, you know. <laughs> but again, this I presume you were self-taught, you learned as you went. There was no one saying, Carl, today you need to do this, and Carl, today you know. need to do that. No, it was kind of like you find out for yourself. Like I, I did get information off a friend of mine, Ray Shah, who runs Body Force. He put me on to the right forwarder. But then I'd still have to deal with the account 
who did made the diffusers and then you'd still have to try and space out your current stock for the next rerun and not buying in too much so supply chain management would come into that too and then you had to manage expectations if you took ten thousand in could you sell ten thousand quick and if you can't then if any break outside of warranty and yeah so it's 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 different it's like a whale and a bunch of hamsters and you don't know what one's jumping in is going to cause an issue you know if you're selling really well and then the stock is held up by two three weeks you could have a two three week lull from just that but if you're doing really bad you might get hesitant and taking in the stock but then you might have a bumper christmas so it's it, it's not for the faint hearted definitely not by the sound of things but also at the same time so now you've got you've got the first initial oils you've you've bought these amazing diffusers in you've paid the tax yeah physically have them how did you then start to build out the range by my own kind of experience with oil and customer feedback like we're very engaged following from time to time it depends if they bomb organic now on digital you know because that's a big issue too <laughs> like, but, so yeah people would email in ideas like we'd have some customers under 15 to order we would we have wow. so you've a real loyal customer base so i suppose it's easy to listen to that customer when they say would you fancy doing x y and z and was that then the way you went about building the range out yeah people would I don't like this, I want that, or what do you think of this, or can you make this blend for me, or yeah, anything like a multitude, oh, and then just I chat to customers every other day, they ring, you know, or the email, so you're constantly, your your brand never really sleeps, you know, it's constantly taking in information. I love that. I love that, though. You're so connected with your brand, which, again, I think makers are out there or people launching product brands have a weird perception that maybe the first year is a bit difficult, but by the sounds of it, you know, you are years into this. You are still very much ear to the ground, working around the clock, but in a positive way to grow that brand and develop. And I suppose it brings me to the point then, you're really passionate from everything I've read about kind of now being able to grow and develop range here in Ireland. What was that like taking that first step to kind of start planting your own to be able to have the oils here? Uh, kind of at the time we weren't making any money so it just was like may as well get out because we're <laughs> nothing else is happening you know <laughs> like it was like why not you know like because unfortunately most people need to understand when they're going to start a business you're, like some people are waiting five years to be just making money decent yeah. so you will have to go above and beyond even when there's no results incoming like we're talking about peppermints that peppermint plants that were planted four summers ago <laughs> so it re- it's really a long-term investment in that respect yeah it would be long term and it'd also be like you know when you were doing it then that day it was a lovely day eight end of august and you didn't really know you know like because you're gonna have to wait so it was it's just kind of like it was great memories but looking back it was a lot like it was I didn't know how much more time was going to pass until it was going to be like popular either, you know. And then so from day one to where we are now, when did you finally realize actually this was a sustainable long term business that you knew it was starting to make money? What was that time period like? Oh, it's day and night difference. Like, 
it is like you kind of yeah it's like you have a tail and it begins to wag for you you know like you're just you're much happier but then like everything all good things come to an end you'll hit a lull you know and then the pandemic you hit that and we what was that like for the business in that respect did it escalate things did more people buy because of course you've an amazing website it's very accessible or were people just fearful and did you see a lull before it picked up? The start of the pandemic was great, but the pan- whatever the pandemic gave you, it took back later. So you massive supply chain issues. Then you had like delays in product. Then you had like the whole supply chain. Then you're even up to a few months ago, the pandemic with cardboard boxes. Yes. So you'd have a spike and then it'd be great. But like, we ran out of diffusers two months into the pandemic and we had to pay our shipping costs went up tenfold. Wow. So yeah, it, what it gave you, it took in other ways. And I know people try to begrudge other businesses because they've done well during the pandemic, but they don't realize the the uncertainty working for yourself during the pandemic, you know, like it wiped out a generation of entrepreneurs, you know, like a lot of people have left the game I seen from the pandemic and they won't be coming back and was there ever a stage I suppose during that time especially as you say you ran out of your probably your bestseller mm. that can't have been easy to come back from or to think what on earth am I going to do next how do we come back from this yeah I just had to get the stock in and manage expectations that's really it it was kind of like they were die because like no one knew what was happening next so you just knew you had to get your stock in you know so we had to do pre-orders pre-sales and then when all the diffusers arrived we had to rebox them all because they they destroyed all the boxes by handballing them into the, the fan oh wow oh my yeah. goodness and this is again it's things that people don't think of yeah, yeah. it's these small little things that i say were ridiculously time consuming but also cost you so much more money having to do Definitely. So, uh, like, of course, because I had to ha- do a lot of it myself then because you couldn't work next to people, you know, because this is the time where they were coming out with mad information. Like, it was literally like, don't go out if it's windy, you might catch COVID. Like, it was, <laughs> you know, it's very peak hysteria, you know. And then, yeah, it was a good time and it was a frustrating time as well. But then I think oh, since last April, I just think it's gotten the way more than it's helped you know like people are like all the brands taken off because of the pandemic like i can tell you now like what the brands what brands benefited also got massive problems then too from it you know and i really and i really and i genuinely respect your honesty there because this is the side we're not hearing especially from brands or from retailers it seemed to be very black and white you know some places closed or brands went out of business and that was that but actually what you're saying is, hang on, it was good for a time, but the heartache and the frustration and the issues that it then caused were just as bad. Yeah, they would have been because then cash flow, because you're like you right. stretch your cash flow further. And then the one the worst thing that ever happened happened last year. Apple released an iOS update that destroyed Facebook marketing, which Facebook marketing is the most beneficial thing for small businesses ever invented you know and that was destroyed last year because of apple going to war with them did you see an immediate effect 
for your business, for your customers when that happened? Big time. You can't actually connect with your customers because there's no more organic reach. So it's kind of, oh, to be honest, I'd call it a serial killer of businesses because there are people that are noticing it yet, but it's probably the worst thing ever that's happened. And they just, I know a few people have realized it and it's start seeing people kind of not knowing how the brand can't find their voice anymore. Like when we got into Facebook marketing, we were able to connect with so many people and help so many people with our product offering. But now you can't, you have to be just kind of hitting hope almost with your targeting. You know, it's really dangerous because it sounds like you had a good customer base. You knew exactly what you were doing from a marketing perspective. You had the stock. Like it sounds like everything was going really well. Yeah. And now more and more the last year, things have been pulling away from you. They've been taken away and you're, I wouldn't say struggling, but you're certainly having to fight back in order to gain that reach again and that customer base yeah like we were blessed we had so many customers and we have a huge repeat rate but you can definitely see the cost going up for the results say if you got i don't know ten thousand euro a week and it costs you two or three thousand now it probably costs four to five you know and anyone who isn't talking about it they're probably not used to you know nice consistent run or they're could be blagging like we we still grew our business last year 20 percent year on year so i didn't have i haven't had a sick day in five years or i didn't take a holiday or nothing. you see that's the reality and again this is what's not talked about out there is you are now like and you are by the sounds of it 20 percent growth on the year before very successful business but my goodness, you've personally paid the price. The business has paid the price. I presume even though you're making money on the surface, profit margins are much more squeezed than they have been in previous years. So it's it's not all rosy by the sounds of it. No, it's not because you have to invest in new channels and different collaborations and look at different. So you can't like you can't be for profit as much as you would like to be. But then there's just more seasonality comes into play and you just have to be really on the ball. Like if you're trying to get into a business now and you're planning on taking the summer off, like don't bother, you know, to be constantly aware. And if not, someone want to be aware for you because they brought out another update a week or two ago and it's ruining email marketing now, you know. So there's loads of stuff happening and very few are oblivious to it. You know, how are you then staying ahead? Or even if you don't feel you're staying ahead, how are you staying up to date with all this stuff happening? I just read a lot and keep an eye. But unfortunately, you only can react. No one is getting ahead. And anyone who is making it up, you know, like you're not getting ahead because they're changing the goalposts all the time. You learn how to kick with your right foot and they want you to kick with your left kind of so. Like uh, even last year's expert in marketing be this year's fuel in it, you know, because it's it's just immense amount of time needed. But I can see a lot of brands getting having to work with influencers now, and that might be a problem because they'll dictate they could dictate the terms, and then the prices will go up. And it's just not it's not going to be a friendly ecosystem for Irish businesses. I don't think in the foreseeable with all these plans how are you hoping or how what are you doing now i suppose to combat that or have you found a way around it that might work this week but of course as you say next week or the week after back to square one again uh i think because we're a bit longer we're 
people know who we are, who are into us. So we don't have that problem of the forced engagement or like we don't like it's more if you're starting out now, I'd pity you. I'd be like, oh, yeah. I'd probably wait and hopefully the market changes a little where people can see a business quicker again. Where with us, like, because we have such a big customer base and we have like 35 to 40% repeat purchases. Like, so, but see, we ship every day, same day. We're on standby every Monday to Friday and we have everything ready, goes out within the hour or two. So that's what we do. So if someone emails me needing something for Tuesday and the order Monday, they'll get it Tuesday. So customer service is where we do well, but we're blessed that we just had the time to build to that point, where now if you're starting from scratch, like I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to say. Don't to you. bother. <laughs> maybe, maybe sit it out and just like get as much money as you can up and learn a bit, you know, maybe you even get experience in selling maybe on someone else's time. Yeah. But it's not, the game has changed now. It's not what it was. Like there's even people in retail are pulling their clothes in their stores, you know? It is, it's a very different, I think, industry and even landscape now than it even was a year ago, as you said, but definitely five or six years ago when you started. Um, so in that respect, if you were daft enough to start a product-based business, I suppose, today, or even try and grow one that you started during the pandemic, what are the tips you'd give? Like, you've talked a lot there about how loyal your customers are, how incredible your repeat rate is. What advice would you give to kind of, I suppose, startup product makers out there, or even those trying to now start to grow their business? I'd say, first, if you have an ego, get rid of it. You know, I'd say because you're if you feel if you think you're great and whatnot, you're just going to be left disappointed, you know, and like maybe lay off the memes and hustling and all like just I don't like the best way to say it, try and just think of it as you're going to like be very static about it where you're not going to be too emotional or too sad and don't be trying to chase balance because when you start something, it needs to be like this. It can't be like that. You know, I'm seeing people so go at it like a rocket, go at it every yeah, day yeah. and hard. And even if it's like you can't afford something, maybe try and learn how to. I had to learn. I couldn't afford a website. So I had to learn how to build one. The website you look at Cotanical at the moment, I built, even though I can afford a website now. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I think you have to be very humble and like just maybe network a little bit if you can or just don't get disheartened. But bees in may be prepared to be broke for about two three years and like that thing people talk about called a holiday that may might happen <laughs> you know like i haven't been on a holiday yet because of the pandemic and then things but i'm starting to take time off from myself a little like i haven't had a sick day from cotanical you know <laughs> like, it's amazing so. but again i think this is the reality out there that you've you have grafted, whether that's physically boxing stock or whether that is learning. And that's the really interesting thing I think about your story. You seem to have learned every little aspect of your business because you've had to do it yourself. You know, as you said, in the early days, you had no money. You couldn't pay people to do stuff for you. Oh. If you didn't learn how to do it, nobody did it. That's it. And it's trusting the right people to do the right job. It can be, you know, a lot of people talk. I'm sure you know yourself that. And they'll still sing like a canary for your money, you know. So I'm just 
I think be like go for it. But in the meantime, make sure you're developing your product where it's gonna look good. At the moment, there's a big problem in Ireland where everyone has the same looking bottle. I find yeah. and they all have like they're all shopping in the same place. Like people are going as far as to IKEA, you know, to get. And I'm nothing wrong with that, but I think well things are changing and the markets haven't adapted how they're going to deal with these updates for apple or anything like really get your product as the best you can you know don't be chasing like because everyone has the same bottle and things and they have the same ingredients in some cases and the same material like so spend a little bit more time on the, the finer details because people aren't stupid you know like when you buy something you know if it's a good cup of tea and you know if it's a good coffee and you know if it's a good kettle, you know, if it's going to boil it in two minutes. Like, and I think a lot, that's why I refer back to the ego thing. Just leave the ego and be of service to who you think your customer will be, you know? And I think that's key. And I definitely, as a customer, and let's be honest, I am, that's the key. You genuinely seem to have listened to your customer from day one, which is why you have this phenomenal repeat rate, which is why your customers tell other customers or future customers, come and buy from Carl because the product's incredible. Your delivery rate is really strong. Everything is there because you've worked so damn hard by the sounds of it over the last few years to make this look seamless because on the surface right now you look like you have a phenomenal business an amazing website like it looks like the dream it looks like the dream product business but from what you're saying is you know it's it's hard work yeah like it's more of a dream turning into a nightmare at times (laughs) we're gonna have to come back again next year i'd love to almost hear the update a year on has carl taken a holiday that's going to be the second episode i'm going glamping i'm going glamping i'm gonna i'm doing something soon i'm just like (laughs) i need to break the cycle but yeah definitely like just be willing to duke it out you know and Maybe be careful of retailers. A lot of people are getting stiffed again, I'm hearing. A lot of invoices are being left unpaid. So don't be that person. Oh, if someone took a thousand euros worth of product and now you're now celebrating with your family, then 30 days pass, you don't get paid. 40 days pass, don't get paid. 50 days, you know? Like, that's it. Don't celebrate too often and don't get upset too often, you know, I'd say. Keep that happy medium. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate and get paid by the sounds get of it paid. as well. Fundamentally, get yeah. Get paid and celebrate, but don't celebrate until you're paid. Like Wise a, words. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people because if you have the wall, then you know. And it's again like, cash flow, and it makes sense. You've no business if no one's paying you. You wouldn't allow a customer buy from your website and not get paid. So it makes perfect sense to keep the level head is really what I'm hearing from you this afternoon is keep whatever you're doing, whether it's the branding or the product or the customer, keep a level head and keep an eye on your business because it's yours. That's it. Like years ago, I read a book and I had about Jeff Bezos and I know people hate him now and whatever. He's done amazing things. But um, he had about a regret minimization framework and he had, if you have something on the table, you need to ask yourself, if you take it off the table, will you be happy in five or 10 years time? And that always stuck with me, even when Cortanical was real difficult. And then I seen an example of it. There was a business that was sold for a few million and I seen it on Facebook, an article, and some, you know, when you read the comments, you've nothing else to do, you know, everyone does it. But I seen someone had tagged a friend in it. And I was like, look, if someone did what the company you bailed on, 
or something along those lines, you know? And he was like, your man replied, oh, but, you know, oh, I have a job and a family and all now. And, and, but it looked like he was really annoyed that someone else had achieved what he couldn't. And to me, that would be like entrepreneur hell, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, the, you sitting there and on the TV, local guy discovers gold and it's like, you should have been digging more. <laughs> you know? like, you'd be like, oh, it'd be a dark moment, but I never forget that comment because you could tell by looking at the comment trend that the fella who was tagged in it, who had the carbon copy business, he quit too soon and someone else realized it, you know? Amazing. Wise words. I love that. To keep going with that strong head and that humble heart to push on because by the sounds of it for you, it's working. So before we finish up, final question, what's next for you and Katanical? What's coming up over the next six months? Uh, I, I'd say we're probably going more into Europe and the UK and exciting maybe new products. I can see one or two products we're doing and yeah, we're just kind of like we're not going to say anything mad because like we don't know what's tomorrow but like we're working with some great people now in our wholesale space with some really interesting retailers that have surprised me so I'm kind of optimistic more now than ever before because like it was like the pandemic was like an appetite for destruction and now we're kind of like in the next chapter and it's like it's kind of like the scale the brand but not scale it where it's not sustainable you know, so we're working, we have a great PR company and we're working on a few different like communication with new people, bringing in new blood, bringing in. So it's a lot of pieces on the chessboard and we're going to start, wow. making them, you know, so we're not going to say too much. But... but that's so exciting. So really starting to push the international, as you said, but with a really strong team behind you by the sounds of it. Yeah. So we'll spend the next few months trialing out different avenues and seeing what's working, what isn't, because we're only getting over the new Apple update, which anyone who's a maker now needs to be aware of that because they'll put money into a Facebook marketing or something and they'll see they've spent loads and made nothing and they won't know what to do. So you need to know that now. That's the most important. So hopefully they, in the meantime, while we're doing that, the market settles and reacts in the tech world to privacy issues with facebook and instagram and apple phones because people don't understand the phone i have an apple phone i have the very thing that's destroyed businesses like, <laughs> you know, and it's the new one as well i really like it but they keep your data they have all your data too so if you're using technology apple phone they're still going to have your data so people need to get over that now i think you know because it's like if you go down the street no one's making you sign a consent form if you're seeing it advertising in the window you know yeah. so i think people have gotten too much of a hard on for all this when like people need to support jobs and need to get themselves out there you know absolutely and by irish i think is the great big message as well support our own just like you who's worked yeah. so hard to build the business and then i think support you as you go international like we've we've a terrible habit of knocking people as they get bigger but it's such a good news story now as you start to kind of spread the word of the brand and sell to more and more people that's it we've built we know what we're good at we know what we're not good at and we'll just build from there but like a lot of people it's not it's a begrudges thing in ireland if you're doing yeah. well they think people up to no good they've solved or solved but if it's if that's selling yourselves it feels good to you know <laughs> that's what i be like you know? oh i'm so excited for you carl i really am and for the brand because i think Catanical's now going to go from strength to strength so 
If you've enjoyed today's podcast, and I'm sure I'm going to have Carl back again to hear how his new adventures got on, and if he's had that holiday, please like, share, and subscribe to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Connect with myself and Carl, obviously, on Catanical's social media uh, pages or over on LinkedIn, or leave us a comment today under today's episode telling us maybe your favorite scent, uh, what you like to buy from Catanical. Um, and then in the meantime, keep an eye on the Retail Advisor social media pages for news of the next episode of the Retail Tea Break. Carl, for today, thank you so much. Thanks.